This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. This week I have the pleasure of sharing my conversation with Nicholas Stevens. Nicola and I, through the mundane miracle of Skype, spoke across the international dateline. Nicola lives in Brisbane, Australia, and is my first guest living internationally. Nicola, Nicola and I talk about her experience in the evangelical culture of Australia, her experience with OCD and anxiety, raising two children, and becoming an immigration activist. Oh, and she also went to church with Kim ha- Ken Ham's family, so creationism factors into this conversation as well. There's a lot of similarities between Aussie and American evangelicalism, and I'm sure that you'll identify them. One thing to note, I spoke to Nicola in the middle of the day her time. It was 8 o'clock on a Tuesday evening here in Chicago, and 11 a.m. Wednesday morning where she was making the call. Nicola is very gracious to accommodate me, and throughout the recording you may hear things like birds chirping in the occasional car, as well as the sound of some kids at the end, because that's literally just life. It was really lovely to have a video window into someone's life on the other side of the world, and I'm really happy I can share that with you. As always, you can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod, or by leaving a review on iTunes. I didn't receive any iTunes reviews this week, at least here in the U.S. that I can see, so I don't get to share any with you. Please leave a review, which will help people find the show, and I'll read it on the air. You can also follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Anchor at Pod, And I'm on Twitter at BRChastain. You can also find my guest, Nicola Stevens, on Anchor as well. She searched for her name, Nicola, St- Nicola Stevens, N-I-C-O-L-A Stevens with a V, on Anchor, and you'll find her station as well. You can also email the show at contact at exvangelicalpodcast.com. All right, let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Exvangelical. I have with me Nicola Stevens. She is um, from B- Brisbane, Australia, and a uh, writer over at mytwocompanions.wordpress.com. Welcome to the show, Nicola. Thank you, Blake. It's really exciting to be here. The one and only Blake Chastain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No one's, I've never heard myself. <laughs> you, you totally caught hey, me off guard with that. Yes. <laughs> this is my podcast. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm really happy that we made this happen. Um, this is yes. my first call to the future. You're in, you're in Wednesday already. Where I'm, I'm, it's Tuesday where I am. <laughs> so, yes. um, very excited about that, and I'm happy that that uh, you know we're able to do this. So, um, let's just start um, with your background. Where did you grow up in Australia? And uh, yeah, let's just start right there from the very beginning. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Very beginning. So I have always lived um, kind of around Brisbane. I actually live in like a little, it's not a little city, but it's it's a city next to Brisbane um, called Logan and it's right on the, I live right on the border of, of Brisbane and Logan now. And I grew up in, in Logan um, and yeah, but going to church um, from a really young age, like I think my mum said I was 
there the week after I was born or something. The Sunday after I was born, I was in church, and I've kind of been in church ever since then. So um, I'm 31 now. So that's a few <laughs> church services under my belt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of church years. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. What um, did did the church your family attended? Did it have a um, an, an affiliation like a, denom- a denomination or? Yeah, um, so it's um, a Baptist church, and it is in Australia. I think we have um, a Baptist churches that are associated with um, like a like a governing type body called the mm-hmm. Baptist Union. Um, or maybe that's just in Queensland in my state. That might just be in my state. And then there's also independent Baptists who are just their mm. own individual local church, but ours was affiliated with the Baptist Union. Okay. Um, and so they kind of, the, I think the Baptist Union helps oversee, like, the churches under their umbrella and and with employment of pastors and um, and other things too, like other resources. I think they run other programs and um, even like when churches want to do building, I think they can, um, rather than borrow from a bank, if they want to borrow from the Baptist union, I think that can happen and then repay the loan to the union rather than to a bank. I think, yeah, I could be mm-hmm. wrong. I've been corrected on that, but I think that's, yeah. And also yeah. just accountability, like sort of overseeing what other training. So all the pastors are getting like, you know, a certain level of, of training and, um, just just overseeing how the churches are going. And if there's a problem, then I guess there is someone else that that you can go to or mm. I don't know if church members go to anyone. They might be able to, but, yeah, just having that extra, I guess, layer. Yeah. yeah. So we want independent, independent Baptist. There is an independent Baptist church not far from where I live and the sign is kind of scary. It's like independent fundamentalist. Like, this is on their, like, <laughs> sign out the front of the church. Um, and I remember, like, driving past it a few years ago, and I hadn't really started my deconstruction yet. But I remember thinking even before I had, I'm like, oh, gee, that looks so intimidating. Like, I have been to church all my life, and I don't think they would be, like, looking very kindly on me. Wow. And then I thought, well, how would they be, like, looking on everybody else? I'm like, what about a welcome sign, you know? Welcome. Please join us. <laughs> yeah. You know? That yeah. Could be an idea. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a barracks instead of a church. Oh yeah. I don't know. It's scary. So my church is not like that. Um, they weren't like independent fundamentalists. Um, yeah. Like, thankfully, they had like yeah. a nicer sign than that. <laughs> yeah. But Baptist. So I'm not sure if that. And I'm not really sure of the different like the difference in denominations between Australia and the US. I'm kind of curious about that actually yeah. because I. Yeah. So. Really we could probably just have a little Q and A about that, actually. Um, I mean, with with over within the United States, uh, like there there are also a lot of different types of um, Baptist denominations. The largest one, um, and one of the largest denominations in the United States overall, is the Southern Baptist Convention. Southern Baptist, yeah. Okay, convention, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so they are they're the largest, and they're they're known for being. Um, Theologically and socially, politically conservative, um, yeah. uh, believe in things like uh, inerrancy of the biblical yeah. text. Um, mm-hmm. What else? What else? Uh, generally, traditional gender roles. Whether they believe in um, 
egalitarianism or complementarianism um, is probably more congregational, but because um, the, the way it's set up is that Baptists are supposed to be what is called creedal. So um, that just means that they that the like local congregation makes the final say, but the convention kind of binds them together, um, binds all these Southern Baptist uh, churches together. Um, I think I have that right. I have uh, my one of my very good friends is a religious historian, so if I have that wrong, he'll probably tell me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just corrections in comments. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, somebody pr- correct me on on Twitter whether they're creedal or non-creedal. I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard to have those facts when you're having a conversation like yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's sort of the hallmarks. There are other. There there is a denomination called Independent Baptist. There's things like Free Will Baptists, where um, you know it's clear that they're not Calvinist or believe in predestination, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, uh, probably pretty pretty similar. Does that sound similar to the denominations in Australia? Yeah, that sounds pretty familiar, like, in terms of... I mean, we have different denominations, but in terms of Baptist... Now, I'm going to need someone to correct me because I don't really know. Like, I don't even know, you know, you're talking about creedal, non-creedal. I don't really know if that's what we do, but I think there were definitely, um, you know, similarities with... I think different people could hold different theological positions, but I think usually the pastors are the ones kind of driving the the agenda or the, you know, the, just the overall mood sure, or the culture. Yeah. yeah, they're driving the culture. So if they think, you know, if they're complementarian, then that's probably the way the church is, you know, going to see it. Um, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, but then again, you know, it, and it's also the elders, I think. So, and the pastors, like when they collaborate, what, what they sort of come up with. We actually have a, we have a church constitution. That's right. We had a church constitution in my childhood church. I don't okay. go to that church. Yeah. Yeah, we had a church constitution and the church could actually like, um, it went to the members meeting. So yeah, this is all coming back now. Yeah. So we went <laughs> to all the members meetings <laughs> and we would go to the members meetings and we'd vote on stuff. And when we wanted to change the constitution, it was like a huge rigmarole because you have, you know, you're changing like the, like the rules basically, like the governance of the church. So that was kind of, it was quite actually, I guess, democratic in that way, or I think it was supposed to be democratic anyway, mm-hmm. but it's always the loudest people, you know, who went out yeah. in those situations. I think. <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah, I went to a million meetings, even as a <laughs> teenager, because I was a member, but I didn't think I could vote until I was 18. So there was not really much point in going, which I didn't really realize. Yeah. I just sit at the back and just make snide comments or whatever I can. <laughs> Um, or I would try and participate, but it's tricky <laughs> to participate because, yeah, that you could say stuff, but you couldn't really, you know, make any change. So, yeah, yeah. they were more, now, now that we talk about it, I remember, yeah, more yeah. trying to be democratic and, yeah. So what was the, aside from the sort of, like, church administration and politics, what was the overall sort of um, culture like in, in, like, your in your home church? Was it... Um, like um, were that were all the leaders men? Um, were how how did women and women participate? Did you have a youth group like all those sorts of things? Yes, yes, yeah. So um, in my childhood church, 
the pastors were always men. Um, we did have a female, like women were allowed to preach, but I only remember maybe one woman actually preaching a sermon in that mm-hmm. church. I think like women would get up and, and speak for other things like events or if an organization or missionaries or or whatever came to speak at the church as like guests, then women, you know, would, would do that and women would lead worship as well and, and so forth. Um, so that, yeah, it was, but it was men who were the, pastors and then we didn't have elders when I was a kid and then eventually we kind of reworked our church structure and decided they needed elders and why didn't we have elders. <laughs> so then we had this big discussion about like if we were going to have women as elders or not have women as elders and I think and I don't I think the pastor was not really opposed to having women as elders but in the end the church decided they only wanted men as elders like the mm. whole the members meeting or whatever so it was it was men who were the elders so it was yeah all men there and then with youth group we did have a youth group and um yeah we always love to talk about youth group so my youth group was like probably similar to yours like um I went to two youth groups when I was in high school I went to a Pentecostal one because some of my friends went there and that was quite contrasted to the Baptist one because um, the Baptists were, um, yeah, it was more like come and play some games and like kick a football around outside and then we'll go in and have like a, um, maybe have like a video or someone will talk and then we'll split into groups and talk about what the topic was and then we'll come back together and play more games and eat junk food and kick the footy around. So it's pretty like <laughs> relaxed and casual and sometimes we do like, um, or like go and, and have like a sleep overnight or something at, with another church, which was like obviously no sleep at all and right, like yeah. and, you know just like fun stuff. And then the yeah. Pentecostal was like praise and worship night, you know. So <laughs> like, and I played keyboard there for a little while, and that was good. But it was pretty, it was pretty full on. But I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the just you know having like feeling like there was like an intense focus on on God and on and on on that relationship with him. I think I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And then the other youth group I was maybe not like I went sometimes. I didn't go as much until I was a bit older in that in my Baptist one, my home church. So um and I think I had some more friends there by then. So it was a bit more fun. Um and then we started like a another youth thing on a Saturday night. So the youth group was usually on Friday night. And then on Saturday nights we would have like a, I think once a month we'd have like, I think they called it a hub night or something. And it was just like a praise and worship night and yeah. someone would speak. And, yeah, just for <laughs> young I played in a band for that as well and played for church as well, like keyboard and piano and stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed that aspect of it too. I haven't done that for a long time, but um, – yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Playing. So that was good. Yeah. I sort of wasn't in deconstruction mode at all then. And that has been my much more recent thing. So I had this like long time at church and just kind of accepted what, you know, what I was told and 
Um, and even like, and questioned it sometimes, but you know, just kind of took it on as my own faith as I got older Mm -hmm. and it was fine. It was, it was like, it was fine. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, things change. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you, at the time you, you felt, um, you felt sort of, you felt comfortable with, with, your church uh, and with with the sorts of youth group things. I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to be leading with the question. I'm just, uh, yeah. just reading, just sort of reading your response and every, uh, hearing yeah. your response. Um, yes. And the way you describe it, it sounded like an overall sort of positive thing at the time. Yeah, I you think didn't... so. And I think one of the other things that was positive was that, um, you know, I know that often with youth group in the States, like you've mentioned, and it's a theme with some of your guests is that purity culture is a big part of like youth group and a big part of that kind of like youth stuff in the States. It's not really in Australia. It's not really like a, a big thing. Like, you know, it might be, Oh, well don't have sex before you're married. That's kind of the extent of it. Like there's no, it's, there's none of this. You're not allowed to date. Um, you're not allowed to do X, Y, and Z. Like maybe individual families make up their own, have their own family rules about yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. But there's nothing coming from the church leadership like you should do this, you should do that. Right. It's just, um, I mean, youth group leaders will talk about it, but they're not setting down rules like if you do this, this is terrible or, you know, it's much more relaxed, like it's heaps more relaxed. Um and I think that in <laughs> you guys dashed a bullet. <laughs> yeah, in youth group, in youth group, it is. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's other places um, it can kind of crop up, and so where would yeah, where would I, it where would it crop up then? Well, <laughs> um, so um, so in Australia, and I know you guys have um, Campus Crusade in the US. Yeah. So we have. We have a similar thing in Australia as well, like a university campus ministry mm-hmm. run under the, under the umbrella of um, of Campus Crusade for Christ. And now they've called it, I don't know what they, do they still call it that in the US? I think so. Yeah, I, I can't keep track of all yeah. of them. I think, I know there's Campus Crusade, there's InterVarsity. Yes, um, there's InterVarsity, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's at least those two. There's a few others. There's, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty, but those are the, a yeah. couple of the big ones. Yeah, so I was involved in the Campus Crusade kind of branch as a as a university student, um, and um, it was called um, Student Life. And um, it, even though, again, from the leadership, it wasn't really like enforced. I think we'd all kind of been involved in that like Christian pop culture, not pop culture, but just like that Christian culture, and we'd all read it, you know. So like Josh Harris was a massive, like, bestseller in Christian bookstores here in Australia. Oh, he was. Okay. Oh, yeah. Even though my church was not like, oh, we're going to take this on as a thing, um, he was still, like, just everyone knew who he was. Everyone read his books. I think most people were like, "Eh." (laughs) I don't think they really, like, but I was a very, like, earnest young person and very in some ways very scrupulous as well and I think that um had to do with my own kind of issues around anxiety at that time which I didn't realize I had but I was Mm -hmm. like I've got to got to get everything right you know I've got to make sure that you know I'm just doing you know the best that I can and 
um, you know, got to follow God and honor him and all that stuff. So when I'm reading like Josh Harris at this time, I was about 15 and I'd just gone through this experience where suddenly, um, suddenly I was on a camp, a Christian camp and it had like this altar call, you know, it all sounds really evangelical and it was, but I did have this experience where, um, I felt a real connection to Jesus and I was like, oh. like it's like the light came on for me and I went, oh, this is not just this person that I read about in a book and people are always telling me about. Um, like I I did believe in him and I had, you know, prayed a, you know, like a prayer inviting him into my life when I was quite young. Mm-hmm. But it was about 15, it was like, like I, I got it and I was like, oh, this is real. Like, yeah, so that was really amazing. But then off the back of that, so I'm on this big high, like spiritual high, it's amazing, la, 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 reading my Bible, fantastic. And then off the back of that, now I'm reading Josh Harris while I'm in this like spiritual high mode. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah, this must, be rough. this must be fantastic. Okay, I better follow this. Like I better do because I'm, you know, going to live for Jesus. This is awesome. So I'm going to do this too. And then kind of not having as a 15-year-old that discernment to go, ah, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He's said as much anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's um, kind of crazy when uh, when we think about it. And, you know, there's all these teenagers <laughs> reading a book by, like, a 24-year-old and, like, <laughs> adults thinking it's the right thing. But, uh, but anyways. Yeah. Um, like, I, yeah, now yeah. I look back and go... Like just uh, so I did find it quite unhelpful to me, <laughs> and just yeah. say the least, I guess. And I I am kind of angry about it and angry about a few things. And now I'm like, no, that book. I think I I think I put my copy in the bin. Um, <laughs> there you and go. I, and the, and the boy meets girl. I think that went in the bin too. Um, yeah. I'm not buying any more copies. My kids are not going to be reading. If they read that, it's going to be, we're going to read it together and we're going to critique it because yeah. <laughs> that's not going to be something yeah. I'm going to set up as a, you need to follow this for your life. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. Not. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole Josh Harris thing. I am i didn't know that it was such an international thing as well. That That is actually yeah. news to me. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, number one, we have our, I know you worked at a Christian bookstore. That's right. And yeah. In high school, was it? Yeah, high school. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, we have Christian bookstores here as well. They're okay. called Kurong, not Lifeway. Like Kurong is like the big one. Yeah. And it was number one bestseller and all these catalogs. When they <sighs> yeah. come out, it's like, Josh Harris, Boy Meets Girl, buy this book, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it, was really, it was really big, yeah, but just not, um, at least by my church that I went to, wasn't like push like a thing that you should follow. Right. Thank goodness. You know, yeah. Some people had some discernment. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the bookstores and everything, is that yeah. like, um, is was is that sort of, that's another interesting comparison I'd be interested in. Um, yeah, like there's there's here you can hold, sort of exist in the whole sort of Christian subculture and not really interact with anything if you don't want to. I mean, there's going to be some crappy movies. The music's okay, <laughs> but, um, but um, you could you know you could only read Christian books, watch Christian movies, watch or listen to Christian music because of the Christian bookstores and things like that. 
Um, is that is that sort of entrenched in like Australian evangelical Christianity too? Um, that's sort of like all that Christian pop culture sort of stuff. There is heaps of it. It's not from my background. I, I mean, I don't know about everyone's sort of background. From my background, it certainly wasn't um, like pushed on us as I guess as kids. Um, not by definitely not by the church. It would have been more like yeah, what your family was like and what your parents enjoyed. And so my parents were a little bit more relaxed. And so we had like just whatever was on TV. Well, the other thing is, I guess, as we were growing up, like um, there probably wasn't a huge amount in the Christian bookstores, like unless you want to spend a lot of money, you couldn't really just just buy Christian books because you maybe run out of things to read or maybe not (laughs) so much. There were a lot of books, but like more like movies or TV, you didn't really get a lot of Christian TV or movies, so you just kind of watched the secular stuff because that's what there was. And right. my parents didn't like banned TV or anything, and they're not, you know, they're certainly not to that sort of extent of conservative at all. Like in some ways they're quite relaxed and I guess liberal. And, and sometimes it was really me putting my own restrictions on myself, like trying to be in line with what I was reading in these books, like, oh, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, and kind of trying to find my own identity sure yeah um, and using those those evangelical type resources to i guess guide me in a way um yeah why did i do that and (laughs) (laughs) why i I did the same thing i did the same exact thing i'm I'm right there with you (laughs) except i wonder if you know I, it does sound like in a, in the US it's more like pushed on you, like this is what you should do, this is who you should read, this is who you should follow. Whereas in Australia it's more like, well, you can read them or you can read them or whatever. Yeah. Like so, yeah, it's just a different, I think, different a difference in the in the culture maybe and in the yeah in the attitude. I think Australians are just a bit more like, eh, like they, <laughs> you know, yeah, not. They don't get super enthused about stuff and they don't get super like, we hate, I mean, this is a broad generalization. It's not true for everyone, but um, yeah, it's not as like maybe polarizing all the time. They're not like, we love it. We hate it. It's more like, oh, well, it's okay if you like it. Yeah. I don't think so. But if you like it or we're like, oh, this is pretty good, but well, if you don't like it, that's okay, you know. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. No one just... I think really maybe we're all just pretending like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm wishful that, that someday American culture can get back to that sort of laid back aspect. It doesn't feel yeah. like it's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Australia is kind of maybe starting to go like less laid back and a bit more polarized in some ways as well. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's, it's coming back in that way but in some ways it's a good thing because yeah apathy is not great when there's people suffering and and things need to change just going oh well it's not good for you but oh never mind that's not that's not gonna change anything or improve the world so yeah downfalls yeah Mm -hmm. so (laughs) um so you mentioned in your um so you mentioned in 
your, our emails that you actually you also went to a Christian school too. Yes, um, I did. So was that was that uh, was that as positive as the church sort of experiences were, or was that a bit more challenging? It was still positive, I think, for me because I was not in deconstruction. If I had been in deconstruction, it would not have been the same experience. And same with church. If I had been in deconstruction, it wouldn't have been as positive. It would have been very difficult. Um, but just the stage I was in, it was, it yeah, like it was, um, it was a Christian private school <clears throat> and it was, pretty, I guess, evangelical. Like there are some Christian private schools around that are, like they say they're Christian, but it's not like we go, they say they're Christian, but they're not really Christian. As in like they're not really um, like pushing a certain agenda, a certain Christian agenda. It might just be more that they have some Christian values or the founder was a Christian or, you know, or something like that. But it's more academic, whereas my school was not, maybe as academic. It wasn't terrible at all. Like, it was still good, but it was um, more like the fo- the emphasis was not on the academics. The emphasis was on the Christian. Yeah. Was it oh. was it either Ace or Rebecca or one of those other sorts of... No, no. No, it no, wasn't? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but my, interestingly, my husband um, was homeschooled for high school, and I think he did the Acer curriculum. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And that's a whole different conversation that I might <laughs> for him because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not my story to tell. Right. Um, but, sure. But um, the, our curriculum was, was still, yeah, there was a lot of, like, yeah, Christian stuff through it. And very, like, um, there were a lot of, like, six-day creationist-type views, even in, our, even in our science that we learned. So I don't really know. Like I'm 31 years old and I am now learning about evolution. I am now learning, oh, the universe, 14 billion years old. Okay, mm-hmm. 31 years old is when I've learned that um, because <laughs> cosmos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started watching cosmos. Thank goodness for cosmos and other yeah. Um So there was like one teacher, I think, who even subscribed to the idea that, um, like one science teacher who subscribed to the idea that evolution was um, a thing. Everyone yeah. else was like, they're like, oh, it's a theory. It's a theory. Yeah. And we we'll learn about <laughs> it in terms of it's a theory. Like, so we learn a little bit about it, but like, we don't, they wouldn't say things were billions of years old or millions of years old. And, um, and actually in my church as well, like, it was very, I think instead of purity culture, we had like six day creation. Like, that was the thing that was like, um, one of the big things that everyone sort of believed. Yeah, that um, was that was that was like the theological marker that like sort of defined your your or it was like one of the it was like one of the sort of like table stakes. Some places it might yeah. be like inerrancy. Yeah. Another person, another place might be. Well, yes, and inerrancy was one as well. Definitely yeah. inerrancy and and almost like they went hand in hand. Sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So and. Ken Ham actually came from my childhood church. I don't know him. Like Ken Ham of, you know, the Ark. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's and, crazy. <laughs> yeah, he came from my church, um, but I didn't know him personally. 
Um, I know some of his family. I still know some of his family and, and friends with some of them. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he he originally came, and I think my parents may have known may have known him, um, like not super close or anything, but just they would probably know each other. And actually, my church had a couple of like creationist type. Is that the right word? Creationist? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm just a bit. I've got. This is my copy, so I'm just kind of trying to get my Yes, so we had a couple of creationist ministries because people who worked in our church for Answers in Genesis split off from Answers in Genesis because there was a big, our church had this, this big thing about apparently someone had like, taken work from someone else and used it and not attributed it to them and like it was huge it was almost I think it was almost going to go to court like this huge like copyright who owns intellectual property and so this ended up being a split between Answers in Genesis and this other creationist ministry creation ministries they were called Hmm. and um, because yes and yeah so it was a really it was a huge thing that my church, childhood church, went through. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's how important I guess. Well, not how important. Like the the issue was someone was taking, someone was accused of taking something from someone else. That was the issue. Yeah. But you know, just that it was such a big thing in our church that there were these enough people that we ended up having two creation-type ministries coming out of our church, like people working for those creations out of our, yeah, out of our our childhood church. So that was pretty hectic, yeah. Yeah, wow, (laughs) that's wild. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like definitely, and even now, like, my mum will critique, like, if if someone says, you know, like, something's so many million years old or... She's like, oh no, you know, that's not right. Or, well, sometimes, like, make, like, sometimes some of my family will make fun of, like, oh, how can you think that? You know, like, not to me, but to, you know, someone saying it on TV or, oh, how can you think that? And so I have, I went through life kind of going, every time I read, oh, so many million years on something in a museum, I'd be like, oh no, that's not right, you know, just internally. And now I'm like, hang on, I don't need to put this filter on anymore and be like, oh, it's not right. <laughs> Just read things and maybe just listen to what those people are saying and and listen to the other person who's studied or and written this information about this fossil that I'm looking at in a museum. Like maybe they're right and just yeah, right. that's yeah. I didn't, but you don't even realize you have that filter in your head until you question it and you go, oh no, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely a lot of cognitive dissonance, like. Yeah, yeah, just going. Yeah, for sure. Like, let's reprogram everything. <laughs> let's just relearn everything we've been taught about science ever. ever. Like, yeah, just something chill to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's actually a pretty good segue to you. You know, you've mentioned this sort of reprogramming, and you mentioned a couple times yeah. that you had to. You've come to a point where you were deconstructing. So. What was the sort of starting point for that for you? Such a good question because I think it might have been like quietly happening in the background just a little bit, little bit, little bit here and there. 
and then almost like exponentially picked up. Mm-hmm. So I think that I, I, just, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think one of the very, very first things that maybe started me asking questions was my sister went to Bible college in another state and she studied, she has a master's in theology now, which I'm very proud of because theology is like a boys club in um, Australian institutions and I think same in US probably, I guess. Yeah, I don't really yeah. there's, I mean, some some places are have better records, but it's still very yeah. much, uh, I mean, some, some places just... Uh, like Emily and Hannah, who I had on that went to Moody. I yes. mean, it's very Moody is like yes. is is a definitely an example of women are actively discouraged. Um, uh, yeah, actually, so. do they have a sorry? Do they have a men's choir? Because I think their men's choir came out and sang it at church. And they were, Probably, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their website and they're like oh if you're a student here you're not allowed to dance there's no dancing like you can't dance oh yeah dance. And i was like that's ridiculous i wouldn't go to that university we're a stupid university yeah that was my i mean i went to indiana wesley and there was no dancing um oh, that's man. that's definitely one of the hallmarks of um <laughs> sort of a lot of these a lot of these christian colleges kind oh, of my. were reactionary oh. against fun basically <laughs> a brethren church for a while after my husband and I got married so um that was my next church after my childhood church and they had no dancing like oh. you got married you didn't dance and women weren't allowed to preach and and there was clear like no women elders ever like don't even think about it and yeah um no pastors and um they did ask me if I wanted to help lead worship but I think which was kind of like a step, a progressive step for them to have women leading the worship. But I think I was pregnant with my second son, so I, well, I just found out I was, so I didn't. And mm-hmm. um, what else? Yeah, and they were like, no dancing, none of the above. Yeah. So <laughs> they were kind of that line, I think. And I think yeah. maybe that so fueled my deconstruction, moving to a slightly, I guess, a bit more uh, a stricter kind of environment. And I was happy to go there for, like, the time that we went there. Um, But the thing that – so back to your question about what kicked off the deconstruction was my sister went to Bible college, studied a Master's of Theology, came home for Christmas one Christmas, and my family were having Christmas, you know, going to have our Christmas lunch or whatever, and she started talking to us about how they'd been studying Revelation and how Revelation is not about the end times and it's not about what's going to happen in the future. It was like a, it was John's letter to Christians about Rome and about how all the things that Rome was doing and it wasn't a prediction of what was to come. Anyway, this was unacceptable to my, <laughs> my dad and my brother who, like, tried to have this, you know, big, they ended up having this big, long argument and I was kind of on the fringe of it and my husband was just like, he just went and ate pretzels because he didn't want to be involved. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could join him, but it was just one of these, like, intense conversations where everyone's trying to prove that they're right and mm-hmm. um, 
which is not that uncommon in my family. But anyway, <laughs> so um, they had this big conversation, and even I was like, "Oh no, that doesn't sound right." Blah blah. blah. Uh, she's studying theology. Like what? Anyway, I don't know why we're not listening to the person studying theology rather than just relying on like left behind novels or whatever. <laughs> anyway, which I loved when I was a kid and read like most of them. Yeah, you can and thank now, Moody and Chicago for both of those things. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or thanks slash blame. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So. So. Why. Why yeah. weren't. Yeah. Why weren't you listening to the. Uh, to the person like, studying it. Why <laughs> wasn't I? Like, why not? Because I just thought I, you know, oh no, that's not right, and so I need to be right and stick with this like literal interpretation or, or whatever. I don't yeah. know what I thought at the time. Um, but she said some things that later on I thought about them. And even though I was, like, kind of dismissing them, they made sense. And I was like, oh, that just makes so much sense. And and she said to me, for me, it wasn't – it meant I didn't have to worry about the future anymore. I can focus now on what's happening right here and I can focus on um, on what I'm doing and not worry about is this this sign, is this that sign, like it's a waste of time. And I can just focus. She said, I just focus. And, or something like that. And it made, but the things, the way she explained, I can't even remember what she explained now, but just the way she explained what different things meant in Revelation and they were all related to Rome, not to the future. I'm like, that makes, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Like, it just made so much sense to me what she said. I'm like, okay, I think she might be right about that. Um, And so that was, I think, that just started to kick off question. I'm like, what else is she learning about? What else is she write about? Like, and so she yeah. would sometimes say things that were different to what we've been taught. And she would say, no, the Bible's not like, it's not written by God. It's written by all these, I mean, I knew it wasn't written by God, but I think I mentioned, oh, you know, because it's inspired or whatever. But she's like, no, the Bible's not written by God. And there's errors in the Bible, like it's not an errant and and all, you know, all these different things, which is just so different from what I've heard growing up in my church. And, like, you know, there's no, the Bible's inspired and there's no mistakes in it and it's all consistent and all yeah. this stuff. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. not. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah. no, it's not. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just those things that she was saying made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And that might have been like step one. Sorry, I'm taking a really long time. I need to get to the point. Oh, no, <laughs> step- no, this is all okay. this is all good. Okay, cool. And step two maybe was um, when I was pregnant with my with my eldest son. Um, I was having a lot of trouble with anxiety, and I had had a lot of trouble with it over the years, like growing up and in high school. And in university, but I didn't know what it was. I knew something was wrong. Like I knew, <laughs> I knew things were not right. Um, and but I knew that I knew that no one else was really 
struggling with the same things that I was. And I, I didn't know who I could really talk to about that because it, um, anyway, I, I went to see a, I had seen a psychologist before, but I went to see another one when I was pregnant and she diagnosed me with obsessive compulsive disorder. And so for me, what that meant was I would have like these thoughts come into my head that were like truly horrible thoughts and that would make me feel so anxious. Um, and I would have to do some kind of compulsion to try and relieve my anxiety. It was nothing to do with like my day-to-day life. Like I wasn't anxious about going to school or um, achieving well or anything like that. It was more these, just these random things would pop into my head. I'm like, am I crazy? It's like, I just don't think other people think like this. This is just, and I was really concerned about my, my sanity, my state of mind, which is quite common with people who have obsessive compulsive like disorder because all these intrusive thoughts they're like something's wrong with me normal people don't think like this um and but but going to this psychologist I learned about like mindfulness and I learned about so learning to sit with thoughts and thoughts are just thoughts like thoughts don't necessarily don't have to mean anything at all um they just come in and they go out. And I had never, because I'd always sort of been taught like, oh, you know, if you think something, that's as bad as doing it. Right, yeah. If a man lusts after a woman, he... Yeah, if you yeah. thought you... If you're you know, angry, you, you kill them in you your mind. Kill <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. just as bad, you know. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think for me, learning that thoughts of just thoughts was so helpful to me. Like thoughts of just thoughts, they don't mean anything. You have to worry about them. Don't assign meaning to it. Just let it go. If it comes in, all right, let it sit there and then do its thing and it'll go away again. And just learning that was so incredibly helpful yeah. that I I think I started to question, well, thoughts are not really as bad as actions. Thoughts are not the same as actions. I've always been told thoughts are the same as actions, but they're not. So that's, that's probably just wrong, like this idea that thoughts and actions are the same. That mm. idea is wrong. And just quietly, that was one more thing that I was like, oh, okay, people are, people haven't got that right. Like, I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. I don't know what he was saying, but I don't think it was that. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so that was another one. And then finally, when I had my second son, I really have to thank my children, I think. They, like, <laughs> that, that construction has kind of, well, I've had some, yeah, I had these issues and they kind of, my children kind of, spurred me to address them and in addressing them I've found deconstruction happening yeah which is kind of telling isn't it that oh now I'm deconstructing because I'm dealing with my issues okay so maybe some of the things I'm thinking were not so helpful like maybe some of these I accepted and was taught were not great because if I have to break them down to deal with my issues maybe they weren't that good in the first place yeah you know like i'm not saying everything but you know like some things yeah um yeah i, I think that's fair though i mean you like your your parent your, your your children can spur you to want to be you know the best person and parent you can be and also i think it makes you i, I don't know like evaluate what you want to pass on yes um, so yeah, I I, I credit <laughs> my daughter with a lot too, for sure. Yeah, yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. They they totally like tip your life upside down, but not always in a bad way. Like in a yeah. good way too. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, so, um, so for you, it, it allowed you to address these things that you needed to address for yourself regardless. Yes, exactly. I had to deal with these things. Like I had um, PPD with my second son, and we call it post- PND, postnatal depression. And that was like the exponential. That was the point at which it just exploded and yeah. everything, my deconstruction started because like really started. I was like, it was about, oh, it was about a year ago actually. And I remember just feeling like just horrible. Like my son was quite, an, uh, I found him very challenging as a little baby. Like he cried a lot and didn't want to be put down on like I had to hold him like so much I couldn't really settle him he wouldn't sleep well and so that was that was you know that was happening and then around that sort of I didn't really have my husband's parents live like on the other side of town nearly an hour away it's not convenient for them to come and you know and help out a lot or anything like that so and like my parents don't live far away, but they were very busy working and so they didn't really come by and and do, you know, like they did sometimes come by and help out, but, and, and you know, when I really needed them and that was great, but I just didn't, I just felt really alone in this time of, except for my husband, who's just amazing, like, yeah, really thankful for him. Um, and But I felt like it was him and I, just together alone in it and and I really felt like I said to my small group I I was still going to church in a like a home group type thing whatever you call it like everyone calls it something yeah yeah (laughs) we've all got different (laughs) names for the same thing (laughs) you know whatever um and I said I just feel like this little person on a boat in a big ocean and I just can't see anyone else around me like that's it's just, I can't, yeah, I'm just, and God, I don't know where God is, like, why doesn't he make my son go to sleep, why doesn't he, why doesn't he care, why doesn't he do something, like, I pray, I ask him to help me, I need help, and he won't help me, like, it doesn't change, nothing changes, so this is ridiculous, um, and I just felt, at the same time, for some reason, I, oh, I've been going to a few, like, things for um, advocating for refugees in Australia. Like I've been doing that for probably earlier in the year, so like from January last year. And I think that just kind of also opened my eyes to seeing like some people are really disadvantaged by other people and by like the government um, and by the church. Like some people's attitudes in the church to refugees is quite racist. Um and, and that disappointed me. And then the other thing along those lines was I started to think about people who are, you know, like lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, you know, transgender. And I thought, you know, I've had these like anxiety and depression problems that no one knew about for such a long time. And not everyone even knows about now probably. Or, but like no one knew when I was going through it, I was all alone. But I was accepted into into the church and, and cared for, but I still felt on the outer, I still felt like I didn't fit in because I had all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how much, more, how much more must they be feeling on the outer 
because they're not accepted and they have a lot of stuff going on too, like emotionally, because they're not being accepted and because the way the church speaks about them. And, and in Australia, like we have like, we have a lobby group that lobbies the government, like they lobby against marriage equality and they, you know, they write and churches support them. Like churches sign up to their email and it's the, it's the thing, like you just support this group. And I was like, I just, I just can't. I just think how can, how can we be supporting such hurtful, damaging things? Like I just don't get it. And I just, I think my own pain helped me to think about how other people were in pain as well. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, find I can't, I can't be, I can't do that anymore. I can't be a part of something that is going to treat people like this. And yeah, so there was a lot of my own personal anger and pain and a, and a growing awareness that other people are in pain too. Yeah. And that, that kind of, yeah, kicked things off. That's when deconstruction began for yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to experience in a, a short window of time. I mean, a year is, in you know, in the in the stretch of in the in the long view, it's not that much time. <laughs> um, uh, it's not. Yeah. So, uh, so for you to for you to go through all of those emotions, yeah, that's that's intense. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, it was huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Huge. So I. I, I, I think definitely. I, I don't know. <laughs> this is, this is. I, sometimes I, you know, I, I get sort of taken aback by people's stories, and this is another one of those moments. You know, it's just. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sometimes life just is not easy. <laughs> and That's then, right. um, I don't know. Church, church complicates it more than it yeah. should. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, just all those different things that you you mentioned, um, all at once and all at once, like one of those things is enough having a, having a fussy child and fussy is putting it nicely. I'm sure like extremely nicely, <laughs> like whether, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and having it, having a difficult, um, newborn, um, emotional processing of all sorts. Uh, yeah, just to get, and, just to get a little more context of sort of the environment that you're in at this time. Um, you, you mentioned that and just in your, uh, in our initials e- emails and everything that there is a bit of similarity between the sort of religious right sort of aspect, um, in Australia. So that you mentioned that there is, there are lobbying groups and things like that. Um, so there are a lot of parallels and then, um, during this period, during this period, did they just suddenly become like a lot more visible to you um, than they had in the past? How it, and what? Yeah, I, and was it the was it the refugee issue in particular that really highlighted that for you? Yeah, I think so. I think that that made me um, really think about. Yeah, it just made me realize. Trying to find the words. Yes, like you're right. It was. <laughs> yes. Um, the. I had always thought of myself as right wing and conservative because that's what my parents were. That's what a lot of people at church were. 
And I don't know, maybe maybe the right was different, you know, 10 years ago. I wasn't as involved in politics 10 or 15 years ago as I am now. Um, and so I don't know how that landscape has changed over time. Um, but now, or in the last couple of years at least, probably the last four or more years maybe, because of working with um, other women in the community who assist refugees and advocate for refugees, um, you know, you get to know, like, what, what are the policies, current policies that the government has for refugees um, and who supports those policies and who doesn't and where are the injustices in those policies. And so I think when you see these injustices that are being perpetrated and then you see um, people who, who are Christian supporting that mm-hmm. that question like what you've thought and what you've believed yeah you you kind of go oh yeah so yeah, what are, what are some, yeah what are yeah. some what are some examples of that in um in in australia like instance um just incidents or examples you might have of of the ways refugees are are treated and how mm-hmm. they're supported by people in the church and outside the church that sort of thing yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag, I think, within and out of the church. I think you have people in the church who who also support, like, refugee rights and, and do practical things to assist, depending on the mm-hmm. church. Um, and I think you get, you get some that are, yeah, like any church, you probably get some that are supportive. And, and if they knew about all the policies or, or what the, you know, what was happening, they wouldn't they wouldn't be on board with that. Are there, are there elected officials that represent themselves as being religious, but then have these, I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. uh, that, oh, that's absolutely. it. I'm, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, like there's our, the treasurer, um, of our country, I think has said he's Christian, the immigration minister. I'm pretty sure I would have to verify this. But I believe he said he's Christian, and I'm like, sorry, I'm like, I just can't even. Like, he's he's oh, he's if he's Christian, then Jesus was like founding some other religion because he's not following Jesus, like in his policy at least. Like, um, yes, we have people in the right wing who are in power now, like the government now would, would say, like, oh, our country was built on Christian or Judeo-Christian values and so they're really important to our society and so we need to uphold those values. Um, but at the same time, like, for for um, people who are refugees in Australia, if you come by boat, if you currently come by boat, the Navy will tow your boat out of Australian waters and just leave you near Indonesia um, so you can go back to an Indonesian refugee camp. If wow. you, But before that, if you came by boat, I think about four years ago, they they have offshore detention centres. So we have two detention centres, one on the island of Nauru, which is like a, I think in the Pacific Islands, and one on Manus Island, which, is, um, which belongs to Papua New Guinea. Um, and so, and they're Australian detention centres. So, but they're not Australian detention centres at the same time. 
So mm -hmm. if the government decides that um, they don't want to deal with something, well, it's not it's not Australia's detention centre. It's a, it's a matter for the PNG government or the Nauruan government. But if they decide they want to step in, they fund it all, they pay for it all, um, and if they decide they want to step in and they make the decisions about who's getting processed, who's getting visas, who's not getting visas. Um, but really there's people on those islands that have just been dumped there for the last um, nearly four years and not processed. So wow. they're living, yeah, they're living in like these conditions that are like quite poor. That's putting it pretty nicely, I think, but I don't want to overstep, but quite poor conditions like um, I even, I know a lady who, who worked on Nauru, which is where they keep um, families with um, families and children. So Manus Island, they just keep men. Um, Nauru, they keep men, women and children, so families. And I know a lady who used to work on there as a mental health nurse. And she said because of the climate, it's so hot, they would have to take a 15-minute break in air conditioning every 90 minutes. Like they would have to leave the outside and go inside in the air condition, you know, where the Australian people who were working, they had to go and have a 15-minute air conditioning break. Meanwhile, there's babies and children who live just in, like, um, tents on that island, which can get up to, like, 50 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but 50 degrees Celsius during the day. And so – and that's the condition that they live in. Like, um, they don't get air conditioning breaks. Like, yeah. They don't yeah, they don't get looked after. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, government's like, we're Christian, we're Christian, it's all good. And, um, you know, and there was a big, like, I might have sent you the link, I'm not sure if I did, but there was um, a, a traumatologist who worked on the, worked on Nauru, leaked um, 2,000 documents or 2,000, like, incident reports about, um, which included, like, allegations of abuse on the island, like child abuse, um, physical abuse, things. yeah, so, and and he wasn't allowed, they weren't allowed to speak, like the workers on the island, Australian workers were gagged, like it was illegal for them, they had to sign a, in their contract, it was illegal for them to talk about what happened on the islands um, and what they did uh, hmm. once they work. so, and they weren't, they, so they were, like basically not allowed to report if there was any any abuse happening or anything like that because they could go to jail for two years if they wow. did. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm like, well, it's just, it's, you know, it's not Christian at all, obviously. Like it's right. so, yeah. well, it's like ridiculous. It's so, it's so bad. And, and I don't <laughs> think that people in the churches know that. Um, what I, I think what they are doing is that people who in churches who are not sort of, being compassionate towards refugees are saying things like, oh, um, they say things like, well, they're country shopping. Like they're just coming here because they want our way of life. Um, they want, they want to just live where we live. Oh, and they're going to, they might take our jobs. Um, that's actually what the immigration minister said. Don't get me started on him. I'll be here all day. He said so <laughs> many terrible things. He yeah. said terrible things and we were actually calling for him to be fired because the latest thing he said was um, on the Manus Island in the compound there there was a person from the Navy um, 
the PNG Navy fired shots into the Manus Island Detention Centre and the the refugees, the asylum seekers there had to like hide for cover and the Australian employees who work there, like the guards and things, also had to run for cover because there was just this like rogue Navy person with a gun just shooting. And the Minister for Immigration later when he was asked about like what was the cause said that or he implied that no, he said that uh, um, there were tensions occurring between the locals and the people, like the locals of Manus Island and the people in their detention centre because apparently a boy, um, they had led a five-year-old boy into the detention centre and he was implying that, they, that the refugees were going to sexually assault him, this boy. Um, but it turned out that was false. Like the police, the head of the PNG police investigated the incident and said no there was no boy involved in this incident where there was a shooting so the like it the png police report completely contradicts what the immigration minister in australia is saying the immigration minister in australia won't back down like he's been on sky sky news and um interviewed on various news shows he's saying no i won't retract my statements because i'm telling the truth and he's he's not telling the truth yeah. he's lying so yeah. Where, like, you, you just need to go. Like, he's just doing, like, a Trump and just saying <laughs> fake, it's fake news and yeah. it just, yeah. I mean, they're all turning into Trump. They all want to be Trump. Yeah. It's really, oh, all of, I mean, every single one of those arguments um, that you mentioned, um, you know, cultural fears, economic fears. Yeah. And oh, blaming. Well, take over. Sharia law is going to come in and, and yeah. take over Christians win, you know, we can't have that happening, you know, like we've got to defend ourselves. It's like, yeah, it just, even that itself, even as an evangelical, how can you justify that? Because, you know, isn't your focus on like um, sharing the gospel and, and, you know, winning people to Christ? How are you winning people to Christ if you won't even let them in your country? Like, so even, <laughs> Even as an evangelical, I don't see how you can justify those that kind of thinking. But somehow, yeah, I think it is just fear. Like, just yeah, it's just fear based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fear based, and and they they blame the victims. Uh, you know. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Mentality. Yeah. Yeah. What um what you. You've got no. I mean, you your your perspective has been broadened by your involvement in these refugee groups. Um, yes. What what sort of uh, actions have the have the groups that you've been a part of? Like, what what do they what do they seek to do? Um, and and what have what have you sort of um, taken away? And what have you participated in? What have you liked and sort of taken away from doing that sort of um, activist work? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a really broad question, so I'll just try and take it yeah. a bit. At a, yeah, sure. So, yeah, um, yeah. Take it any way, yeah. any way you like. So if it's something, um, something more along the lines of what you, um, the sorts of things that you may have participated in, if the, um, mm -hmm. if that narrows it down, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, yeah, yeah, and, and just sort of like your how that how that's impacted your understanding of, of these things too. The things that. I've uh, there's so much to participate in that you can't do it all. Um, it's been 
it's been very, I think in some ways, maybe formative is the word, I'm not sure. For me, to be going to protests um, and to be holding signs and to be seen to be not conforming to, like, the the story that's out there that we don't want refugees here. It's been very helpful in some ways for me to do that because as, like, this good little Christian girl who kind of always did what everyone wanted me to do, and that was partly, you know, that was a, a mix of things and it wasn't just Christianity. It was a, a bunch of things that kind of led to me being like that, I guess. But um, for me to be able to protest and be able to kind of rebel, but for a good cause, has been useful to me. Um, And it's been useful as well to find, it's been wonderful to find other Christians in the community who are doing the same thing. Um, And and they're often the Christians who are like quite progressive and, and not so like fundamentalist or like, oh, evangelical, it's all just about you know, we're all just literal Bible interpretation, whatever, all that stuff. Like that's that's not the big issue for them. The big issue is, well, how are we treating people and, um, you know, how are we following Jesus in the way we act and in, in what we do and in what we say? Like that's, that's our focus. And that's been, yeah, really great. Like there have been church groups who've hosted um, a protest, like one of the first, protests I went to was it was called the sanctuary movement and it was a church in the city which I now go to actually um unofficially but I go there um and (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's an Anglican church and um it's not part of my tradition at all but one of the things that I really liked was how involved they are with the refugee rights and other rights movements and they they hosted a a protest, the sanctuary movement, and it was for um, people who were in the community that were refugees and, and the government were threatening to deport them back to Nauru or um, Manus Island, you know, and it's such bad conditions. The church said, no, we, we can't in good conscience stand by and let that happen. So they said, well, if you're in danger of being deported, you can come to the church and we'll hide you in here. That's basically what yeah. they, and I, that's wonderful. And so to go to to go and be involved with that movement, like to go and go to that protest kind of, that was the first one I went to. And then to continue to like find my voice and being able to go to protest and say, you know, no, this is not, you know, this is not what we're going to stand for. We can't tolerate this. And then one of the most recent ones was we um, did a sit-in in the immigration minister's office, which was really it sounds like nothing, but his office is actually um, locked. Like, to you can't actually just walk in there. So you, it, it's difficult to get in, and we had to employ a little bit of tricky business. The doors were open. <laughs> <to us>. Yeah, <laughs> like, we did not. We did not break in. We did not like go in uninvited. They buzzed us in. They did buzz us in. Well, they buzzed some of us in, and then through. <laughs> Yeah, and then others of us came in too. So um, <laughs> that's how his office got occupied. Um, and we got escorted out by police and, you know, threatened with arrest and all, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but to me, that was a real, really important moment because I realized, oh, like I, I've always thought I'm, you know, like for a long time, I felt like I'm powerless against this system of all these different systems, you know, patriarchy, um, evangelicalism and whatever else. And then I realized I'm not like, you know, we all have, we all have power and we all have agency, even when there are systems trying to take it away. And even when we are the, we are the oppressed or we're standing with the oppressed, you know, there's power in numbers and, and the underdog does have power. And, um, that was a great realization to have that. Yeah. You can't yeah. tell me what to do. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't tell me I have no power. You can't yeah. just say it and take it away. It doesn't make it so. So and I think that's true for everybody. Like sure. just because someone says you have no power, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to just accept that and go, okay, <laughs> you, you can you can be creative and you can fight it. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's that's, that's that's beautiful. That's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow. Um, so, um, I mean, with, with all of that and sort of you're in the midst of all these different things in your life simultaneously. Um, yes. <laughs> what's that? um and I mean, that's the way, you know, it's, it's, I guess that that's, we have to process everything all at once now, <laughs> sort of. Um, yeah. but, um, um, how do you, how do you, I, I think the, the the easiest way to to ask this question is just kind of say, well, wh- where are you now? Like with how you feel about uh, just just about the whole endeavor of you know coming out of evangelicalism, or if you feel like you're even out of it, or um, yeah, yeah. or like how you relate to that part of your life, your your faith or your belief or whatever whatever particular word you want to ascribe to it. Um, um, j- yeah, just how, how do you, how do you feel about things now? And, and, yeah. um, also and as the, as the, uh, just then ad- adding to that, like, are you in a place where you feel either in a community or, uh, or another sort of place where you feel comfortable just even just being comfortable, <laughs> Not like, like basically, yeah, not, not even saying, not, uh, not even just being, being comfortable saying and being who you are, but just, uh, yeah, just being, feeling comfortable. Cause yeah. that's, that's something that a lot of people don't have when they're going through de- deconstruction, the, the, the group they're in <laughs> yeah. doesn't match yeah. where, where they are. Um, so I just, I, yeah, I just said someone said weird everywhere who was that who said uh, weird everywhere <laughs> that was um chris stroop yeah yeah that's, oh yeah, of course yeah yeah because i 
him on Twitter now. He's he's good. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Weird everywhere is a good way to describe it. <laughs> I think I think there are a couple of I'm I am fortunate. I have a couple of friends who are probably not going through exactly the same thing, but but sort of going through the same thing. Yeah. And we we meet up and and talk about this kind of stuff. Um so that is somewhere that I think that's my place where I feel comfortable. And I think I'm not sure if I'm comfortable there yet, but the church that I am unofficially going to is a place where I found real like beauty and real um yeah, just a real I think connection to God or potential for connection to God without all the, um, yeah, without all the other baggage that's kind of come with um, being in an evangelical kind of setting. Yeah. 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 That's been, that's been wonderful. So, um, and what else? I think, what was the question? <laughs> oh, I, I rambled. I rambled for a while. So <laughs> the, the question was sort of all over the place, but the, basically boiling it down, it's just sort of, how do you know? yeah, how do you feel now about things? And also, I mean, are you, um, do you feel the need to be uh, in a community that addresses that? And if you do, are you, are you in a place where you feel that way? Or, I mean, are you just fine? Are you comfortable where you are right now in your yeah, in your state of deconstruction yeah. and and yeah and all yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I don't feel comfortable in the places that I used to feel comfortable. So I don't feel comfortable as much in like um yeah, in the churches, I guess. I don't go to those churches anymore. Um I did go to a Baptist church after the Brethren Church for a while, and it was good for a while, but then, yeah, there were just some things that I noticed that um, I still didn't feel entirely comfortable with, even though they were more progressive. Like, they they do have women preaching sermons um, occasionally, and they have they have women who are pastors there. So that was, you know, like that's really great. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, but there were still just some some things that were, were sort of being said or emphasised, you know, by the by the senior pastor, which I personally just felt a bit un- uncomfortable about. I didn't. It wasn't anything bad as such. Mostly, I just didn't yeah. feel really like. I just was like, no, I can't. I can't get on board. You know, I can't get right. fully behind this. And the other thing is I think I, I don't know that I want my children to grow up in the same environment that I did, you know, and have the same the same baggage that, that I had, even though they're different people to me and they'll have a different experience anyway. Um, I still, I don't, I don't want them to be told, oh, you're a sinner and that's why Jesus had to die. Um like you're responsible for it, and I don't want them to, to grow up thinking that, or th- or like being told that really, really young when they can't ask questions and process it, and go, what does that actually mean? Like, you know, um, and 
I want them to be accepting of of people from all walks of life and and not and not burdened with shame. I think like when I've yeah. talked to some friends, we talk about like about this feeling of shame because you know you always get told like how you're a sinner and you're bad and even you see stuff on Facebook like oh I'm nothing without God and it's like well no you are something like <laughs> you know you're a person and and you have intrinsic value just because of that um yeah and so and so um BBC moment um, <laughs> and so because of yeah I think that's something I, I don't feel comfortable about and so I would have to be, yeah, I think I just have to really think about where I want my kids to go and what I want them to learn. And I even think about, do I want to send them to a Christian private school? Like, I I don't know that I do. I think I would like them to have, like, an environment where that kind of spiritual stuff is not rammed down their throats and it's not, you know, with a certain, like, agenda, but rather exposure to, well, you know, this theology is like this this theology is like that. Um, yeah. Why don't we think about it? Why don't we ask questions? Why don't we explore? Some people don't, some people aren't Christians. Some people don't believe in God. Why don't we talk about that as well? And, um, yeah, so just just having more freedom of thought, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, think I struggle now when, it, when it's like, well, this is what we think. This is what you should think. Like, yeah. 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 No, it's totally fine. It's just to reiterate where, I mean, I I know I mentioned this at the beginning of of our conversation, but it's 9.30 at night, my time. (laughs) Um, And so my daughter is (laughs) asleep, but it's the middle of the day where Nicola is. So she has, uh, her her children are are up. So, um, so. Nicola has has been very gracious to me and and okay. being able to talk to me in the middle of the, in the middle of her day. So um so yeah. <laughs> I just I know we mentioned that at the beginning, but but I, I wanna mention it now too. <laughs> Thank um, you. I feel a bit better now. I'm like, oh this is not really an abnormal occurrence though, like No, it's it's children. It's the, it's the middle of the day. <laughs> it's literally the middle of the day where you are. You're yeah, in the why? future. <laughs> Right, exactly. I'm <laughs> you're in my future. Children screaming in the future still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, get, I get sympathy from old ladies when I go to do my grocery shopping yeah. because, yeah, I have two boys and, and they're noisy <laughs> and they, they're very clear on expressing their opinions and ideas and likes. Yeah. I get yeah, sympathy but... from old ladies when I shop. First <laughs> night, better getting the dirty stairs, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get those, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, but, yeah. Nicola, thank you. I mean, th- thank you for talking talking to me and talking. I, I feel like we'd, like, just scratch the surface. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it's so interesting to um, to hear about someone's experience with something that sounds – that is in many ways very similar to what a lot of people here in the in the States – you know, experience and to hear that yeah. from another, from internationally is, is, yeah. um, is very interesting. And your story is very, very interesting. And I'm very thankful that you reached out to me and, um, and then we were able to, to, 
to talk. It was a real honor and privilege. So, um, um, where can people find you online on Twitter or elsewhere? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I blog, um, at the website you mentioned earlier, which is, um, www.mytwocompanions.wordpress.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at my two companions. And I like to blog about, yeah, mental health stuff and just church stuff and a bit of sort of feminist stuff is getting in there as well because I don't think you can really help it when you're a woman and you're in the church and you kind of, yeah, yeah. deconstruct. <laughs> yeah, I think actually something I wanted to mention and I, I didn't mention, but, um, yeah, that's, a I think, a big part of my journey as well. So, yeah, yeah just blogging about stuff like that too. Great. Yeah. Yeah, Nicola, thanks for thanks for very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Blake. Thank you.